my place and I'm super excited that you're here. <laughs> this is the Suicide Prevention Show. We're here making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. I'm Jackie Simmons, your host of the show, and I am super excited that you are here. Why? Because we're going to be talking with Dr. Beth Halbert, and we are going to be talking about this concept that the reason I did the intro the way I did is because we're going to go into this concept of defiance and doing something that most people don't do, which is actually embracing it. So without further ado, I would like to welcome to the stage, Dr. Beth. So Dr. Beth, now let's take the tech tangle and aha, there you go. And you're still muted. So I don't want you talking to yourself because I do that a lot. Yes, yes. <laughs> Hi, Jackie. I'm excited to see you. I love your bubbles. Thank you. Thank you. And my love. Oh, you got your sparkles. We got sparkles. my love sparkles. <laughs> awesome. So Dr. Beth, we're going to take a deep dive into this realm of defiance and embracing defiance. But how did you end up in a defiant conversation? Yeah, I mean, come on. You got bubbles and sparkles. You know? I know, right? And a baseball cap for a very, very serious, serious topic. Um, well, I'll tell you what, Jackie. I was a good girl. Now, my mom and dad may disagree with you, and I'm actually in Nashville, Tennessee, taking care of them right now. So they uh, may come in in any moment and say, no, that's not true. So I'm open to that possibility. I embrace their defiance as well. Um, I, I was a good girl and I had a theory through my first 15, 25 years, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it and looking good. And my mom was a prom queen and she was, um, you know, all about looking the girl, girl part. And I wanted a cowboy hat and I wanted the cowboy boots and I wanted to get to be me. But I didn't do that because I was trying to please others. So one of the things that I am doing is I'm bringing to the parents and bringing to the kids how to be yourself, but doing it with love. So there's a way to find your power and embrace defiance without shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> or shooting anyone else, I hope. That's right. That's right. Not exploding and not imploding, but learning how to get back in your power. And I, I wrote this book, Embracing Defiance, uh -huh. how helping your child express their unique voice while keeping your sanity. There so we go. it's being authentic. Keeping our sanity is a really, really important <laughs> thing. Especially know. right now. Especially right now. All right. So we're all about keeping our sanity the um the journey that you went on okay because right now as far as i'm concerned bless you you go where angels fear to tread you actually work with teens now Love i co-host i'm co-founder of the teen suicide prevention society and my first rule was i don't do anything with the teens <laughs> i raised three i have four grandsons that are in that zone Yes. I don't do anything with teens. 
Now I'm the I'm not that kind of lady. So you go where is I, I think you're a saint. I mean you work with teens. So and, and let me say, Jackie, let me interrupt you and be defiant. My first rule is there are no rules. <laughs> and rules are made to be broken. And it's a win, win, win or no deal. And just because you say so doesn't make it so to my inner teenager. <laughs> okay, take it from there. Now your turn. Oh, this is going to be a hoot. All right. So now I know who I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with an inner teenager. That's right. right. This has a whole new definition of IT. Exactly. All right. So, exactly. so now, now we're dealing with the inner teenager here. All right. So um, I get this. And the fact that there are no rules becomes a rule if we're not really careful because we can go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm willing to be wrong. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Um, you know, it's, uh, we've got, we got so many philosophies that are going to clash. I can see this coming on. All right. I've got a whole campaign based on the concept of you can't do it wrong. Yes. Yeah. You and I actually are on the same page, Jackie. We just use, we just come in from a different side and it's beautiful. That's why I love you so much. It, it, it is a lot of fun. All right. So Dr. Beth, where did you hail from? Where did you start from? Because you didn't always work with teens. No, I started as um, in uh, clinical psychology. At 12 years old, I was convinced I was going to be a psychologist. And probably wow. at nine, I said, mom, sit down. Dad, sit down. Did you hear what she said? Did you hear what he said? Like I was what I call the parentified little super adult at I don't know, maybe three, five, seven. I mean, I started young. And so I wanted to handle the zero to three. So I went straight into my clinical work, working on uh, attachment zero to three. I kept having people say to me, well, if you ever work with teenagers, you let me know. And my doctorate is all about zero to three attachment. I have an entire four year program that I've never implemented because nobody wanted it because babies are docile. Teenagers, on the other hand, are not so much. Really? You notice that? Yeah, just, you know, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. still teenagers. I'm not feeling this. That's yeah. right. Exactly. So I decided to actually start embracing teenagers and talking about it. And um, I, one time I was working with a business coach and she said to me, you know, Dr. Beth, you really are a teenager running your business. Ooh. And I was totally and still am. And now I recommend everybody on the planet take the keys out of the parentified perfectionistic type A super seven-year-old adult and put it in the hands of your passionate, authentic teenager, inner teenager. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for clarifying that we're not giving the keys to the castle over to a real teenager. But even teenagers, but even teenagers, they're afraid to drive right now because of the perfectionism oh. and the anxiety about not wanting to fail. I was just doing an interview with my mom on zoom just a few minutes ago. She's, still getting over something she did at 22 she's 82 
she was working with blind children and one of the kids ran into a tree and she's never told anybody and feels shameful about it. Mm. So I'm helping her release and let go of the failure. And I said, would you rather have a child kept in a cage or would you rather them hit a tree? She said, I'd rather them have the chance to go outside and hit a tree. So if we stay small and stay in our boxes and aren't willing to make failure, have play with failure, then we can't play full out. Oh, well, there you go. Truer words were never spoken. If we are afraid of failure, we can't play full out. There we go. Now we're on a failure kick this week because earlier this week I put up a meme that said, I used to call it failure. Now I call it fortune's flashlight. Because it shines it. a light on where I can profitably partner with other people. So nice. it makes me a whole lot more willing to take a risk. Yeah, absolutely. And if we are not willing to get in the game, you can't win. Ah, <sighs> that's true. And so many, you're right, people are starting to play like they, they're trying to play not to lose rather right. than playing full out to win. Yeah, let's don't make a mistake. Let's get in the stands if we even get in the auditorium. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, so, all right. So now what is it that you're actually doing? What are you up to with this whole entertain? Because I'm thinking you're working with real teams and yes. you're working with people with their inner team. Yes. All right. So we got and two different conversations. Go ahead. Well, actually, it's the same conversation. And I know this has driven everybody crazy. All my business coaches crazy. And I have not been willing to tease these two apart. However, the teenager, the real live teenager triggers the parent to get into their own inner teenager and the adult has left the building. Have you ever <laughs> seen a parent and a, a teenager going at it? Oh yeah. And you can't tell who's the child and who's the adult. <laughs> So that's, oh, yeah. that, that's, when the, that's when the teenager triggers the inner teenager. So I tell the parents, the teenagers will get it actually faster than you do because they don't have 20, 30, 40 years of learning it the wrong way. <sighs> Kids get it just like this. They get it so fast. Wow. All right. So take us, take us there because I think that everybody needs this. I think that anybody who, it, you know, let's face it, part of us never grows up ever. I don't care how old we are. And so we might as well learn how to do this. And I'll be honest, this, I, I have been um, advised, there we go. I have been advised at different times in my life that it would be good to do some inner child work. And the work that was available my inner child wanted none of it because it was work. You know, I was like, wait a minute, my little kid doesn't want this. Now, since then, we've got some new tools out that have been out, coming out recently that are a little more fun. But when you're talking about working with an inner teenager, you don't look like this is going to be onerous. Well, the first time I said to my little inner child, Hi, little girl. Hi, little B. Hi, little Beth. How are you doing? She said, F you. <laughs> and I said, wow, you're having some big feelings. And I don't even use those words. And um, says my super seven-year-old. Um, and 
And I said, tell me how you're feeling. And she was like, why are you asking me now? You haven't listened to me my whole life. Why would you care now how I feel? And at this time in my life, I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Mm. I didn't even stop to go to the bathroom. I didn't stop to eat. I took care of others. And I went to a coach one time and I'm like, I feel like I have this mission for the world. And blah, blah, blah. And they said, go fill yourself up. You're just going to spew poison from that empty cup. Ooh. So what did you do to fill yourself up? Because that does sound like probably good advice. I started listening to my inner teenager and my inner family, which I call the little three-year-old is what most people call the inner child. I call little B, she's three. And then my next age up is like my little perfectionistic good girl. Um, and she's the one that hides the little B so that you don't get to see the one that's falling apart and scared to death. So she always is looking good and has the has every, all her ducks in a row. And I call that one Super B. And then there's a teenager that comes along and is like, here, have a bonbon. Go take yourself out. Stop being so significant and serious. Ooh. And that's my inner teenager. So for a lot of my life, these little characters were fighting. And sometimes I would be in one emotional state and another time I'd be in another emotional state. Now what I aspire to do is to get to the 30,000 foot, be in my Dr. Beth wise self and listen to these emotional states. Ah. And that's how you fill yourself up by listening and seeking to understand what each part needs. All right, that's a lot easier to do from 30,000 foot level instead of being the three-year-old or yeah. being, or being this like literally seeing yourself as a seven-year-old that's in charge of the world or in charge of clients or in charge of a, a million dollar business can you imagine being seven and feeling that overwhelm well that's where a lot of entrepreneurs i think are is yes. is in that state of overwhelm and yes. a lot of big businesses running, you know, big CEOs and things are too, because we've all gotten this um, wake up call to the fact that life really is not predictable. Especially you know, right now, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we had this illusion of consistency. We got comfortable. And then along came COVID and pushed us out of our comfort zone without our permission. Yes. And An illusion of control. Uh-huh. Yep. And it was all illusion. Yeah. Hallucination, people, maybe. <laughs> well, you know, people who live where, not, where Mother Nature is more volatile and less contained already know this. You know, people who live in countries that are in conflict mm -hmm. already know that control is an illusion. Yes. You know, I have friends who are from Iran and they grew up with things happening around them. You know, they mm -hmm. went to grandma's and they came back and they had no house because the bomb had landed on. Yeah. You know, so this level of stress is something that they grew up with. They're now over on this side of the ocean and they're like, you know, if this lasts more than two months, you guys are in trouble because you have no stress hardiness at all. No coping mechanisms, no understanding of this. 
Yeah, yeah. So resilience key is sort of, that's what I'm looking at. I'm building out a key ring of resilience keys because I think emotional resilience is going to be the skill that moves people the furthest, the fastest going forward. Well, I've got 10 to add to your list. Ooh. My Ooh. I have the 10 keys to compassion oh. and 10 keys to falling madly in love with yourself. So when you uh, need any extra keys, I've got a whole keychain as well for you. Awesome. All right. Well, that's going to be useful. You can always use another key, right? <laughs> right? Especially now in today's age. Now in today's age. All right. So let's take people step by step. Let's go, you know, just grab, grab all of the people listening to this by the hand and take them into what is step one. You know, you think that the only person exhibit, listening here, the only person is you. You're the adult. You show up for work every day. You show up in your relationship. There's just you. And you have a tendency for things not to go exactly the way you intend. You have some tendencies that are starting to become a problem. You know, you eat a little too much. You drink a little too much. You don't sleep. You don't communicate clearly. You're, you're getting into some arguments. Your bank account is not where your bank account ought to be in your opinion. You know, you got some symptoms that things aren't right. And someone suggests, like they suggested to me, yeah, maybe you want to do some little work over here with, with your inner conversation. You're like, there is no inner conversation. What are you talking Me? What? That's just yeah. weird. <laughs> so what would be someone's first step? So I would say the first step is to take yourself exactly where you are. I was talking to a teenager today who was saying that she absolutely loved and adored her mom and hated her at the same time. <laughs> so what do we do with that? And I had a little uh, six-year-old that worked with me one time and his mom had left and he said, Dr. Beth, did you know that you can have loving feelings and hating feelings at the exact same time? I'm like, yeah, but it makes you feel crazy. He's like, yeah, it makes you feel crazy. So step one, Jackie, is wherever you are in this crazyville, it, be it sad, be it overwhelmed, be it in crisis, depression, um, greed, uh, pick a negative feeling, pick any feeling. The first step is to give yourself permission to feel it. And don't try to get rid of it. Don't try to drink it away. Don't try to pretend it's not there. Utilize a listening to actually care about yourself. Like if I had blood gushing out of my arm, I wouldn't mm -hmm. scream at my arm. <laughs> and these emotions and these feelings are like blood gushing out of our arm. You do work a lot with teenagers, don't you? Yes, I do. Yes, I, I do. I can tell by your analogies. <laughs> well, I've got another one that's even worse. Do you ever feel like you are holding in gas. Oh. I don't normally say gas. I normally use a teenage word. But um, when you're holding in gas or putting a lid on it, mm. it hurts. It comes out sideways. It comes out in pain in your stomach. 
versus feeling the feelings, letting it flow, then it stinks for a minute and then you move, you move on. But if we try to hold it in and suppress it, we can't, we can't experience the joys either because we suppress the depression, we suppress the joy. Okay, so you can't hold down any feeling without holding down all feelings. Exactly, exactly. All right, so I've got that piece. Okay, so the first step is to emotionally get a little more present to what you're feeling. Yes. You're going to have to break that one down into baby steps. So there's a couple of ways to do it. So I'm going to give you my keys really fast. I'll give you a couple of them. The first one is compassion. And that is compassion for yourself with what is in this moment. Mm. The second one is own your story. And I play with how's that story working for you? And if whatever you say, you get to be right, would you like to change your story? Men are always, my child is always, so-and-so is always. Do you want to be right about that? Or are you willing to be wrong in order to have it all? So the second one is own your story. The third one is mirror, mirror. If you spot it, you got it. And that doesn't mean if I see a child molester, I am a child molester, except maybe I am molesting my own inner child. Maybe I am abusing my own inner emotional sadness. Maybe I've put myself in a cage. Mm. Maybe I've cut myself off from the neck down. Got it. So C-O-M, P is for playful, messy, playful out, be willing to fail. A is affect, feel your feelings, name them out, name them out so you don't act out on somebody's head. (laughs) And then the next one is self-care. And I like to talk about decadent self-care and not just self-care of the body, but Mm -hmm. self-care of the inner emotional inner family. And then self-trust, intrinsic into extrinsic, Organize your village, not just your inner village, but also all your support team around you. Mm -hmm. And then um, know your boundaries, N-O. I can't say yes without an option to say no. And Jackie, no is not, no, you can't cuss. That is not a boundary. That is a demand. Mm. I can't say no you can't yell at me. That is not a boundary. That is me over on your porch telling you what to do. And if you were in your teenage mamma-jamma self, you'd say, well, close your ears or get out of my room or, you know, something Mm. just as rude and disrespectful. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, there, there is that. No matter what language we use, it's a universal experience. And it, it, it's an interesting thing because there are some tools that have come across recently that actually help me raise my awareness of when I am doing that to other people. Yeah. You know, um, and it's often comes under the guise of let me help you. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is basically me saying you're doing it wrong. Let me, let me tell you, let me get over there on your porch and uh, let me take your inventory and let me tell you how it is. And just to bring it back to today's topic, here's the cost. Hmm. When we don't get to express our authentic feelings, when we don't get to be ourselves, it doesn't feel like it's worth living. 
So it does, it is definitely a contributing factor. The awareness key is a huge one for me because so many people are not aware of the emotional um, rainbow that they experience. And I love the fact that a six-year-old said, did you know you can feel this and this at the same time? Because the prevailing wisdom in the mental health community is that you can only feel one feeling at a time. And I'm like, there might be something wrong with me because right. I am just not that simple. And, no, and there's also something wrong with every single one of us because we all have this noise in our head. Whoever, whatever that person in your head is saying, what is she talking about? That's the one I'm talking about. So, um, <laughs> yeah, th this, this language, this, these thoughts, these feelings, this is just a made up tool mm -hmm. that helps differentiate these different emotional states, the very young, 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 raw feelings, the part of us that wants to be safe, the part that's logical, structured, organized, and tries to get it together and be in control. And then the part that wants freedom and authenticity and passion. And so if we can listen from the wise self to all of these elements, then we get to have it all. How good can you stand it? How good can you stand it? That's a really, really interesting question. How good can you stand it? You know, I think that most people have a good capacity that's like a teaspoon. Yes, yes. It's like a teaspoon. And as powerful as a teaspoon is, it's one of the reasons why the song for Mary Poppins is something that we play a lot, you know, because it only takes a spoonful of sugar. And the version of that song that most people don't realize is the same song, is the one that Bert, the chimney sweep, sings at the end of the movie near the end of the movie yes yeah it's just that's one little bit is chimney chim chimney chim chim jeru and the song that he sings after that song is about a spoonful of sugar and it's uh -huh. a spoonful of sugar oh that's all Helps medicine it go down it's what turns bread and water into tea and cake Oh. It's a very unknown song in the movie, even yeah. though it's there. It's what Dick Van Dyke just is singing to Mr. Banks. It's an amazing little snippet that explains what's so powerful about one tiny little change. I love that, Jackie. And in the world right now, it's not just the little ones that don't know the, the and this and this mm -hmm. it's the whole global planet when we are polarized in all of these different camps mm -hmm. and uh, have you seen the movie the social dilemma no i haven't it's a must a must see that talks about you know if you ever wonder how does that person vote for that person and how does that vote person vote for that person if you look at that movie you can see some of the stuff that's being fed to our brains mm -hmm. that actually helps us make some of our decisions. So all of us, if we can start listening to each other, not just to our inner selves, but actually listening to your little three-year-old, listening to your super seven-year-old, what's going to make you feel safe, Jackie? What do you need to say from your authentic mamma jamma teenager that feels <laughs> too scary to say? 
You know, that's an interesting question. I'm going to have to play with that one for just a second. I'm, I'm just thinking how close we skirted on this whole political scene. Um, the, the, so I'm going to sit with that question for just a minute. Okay. So ask it again, because I, I was still kind of hijacked. Go ahead. Well, my whole point of this is how critical it is for us to listen to each other. And when we get in the right, wrong, I'm okay, you're not. Hmm. I got this information, this life experience, this information and this feed coming into my uh, Facebook account. And you've got this information and this feed coming into your base bank account. I mean, your bank account, your Facebook account. We may not even be getting the same messages. Oh, and we are definitely not getting the same messages. Um, this was part of my ongoing conversation where I'm like going, who have you given permission to brainwash you? Right. And right. most people don't realize that if you're getting information from just one source, you have actually given them permission to brainwash you. Exactly. And this could be a really scary conversation, but let's talk about the solution because I am well, all about how do we make it better. Well, and as the super seven-year-old, the I would say 75 to 80% of the world is in good girl, good boy mod modality. We are trained in school, hmm. uh, put it in the right box, A, B, C, or D. And hmm. if you were a child like me and probably like you, we, we worked outside the box. Like what box? <sighs> yeah, I didn't see any box. Did you see a box? <laughs> I didn't see any box. Yeah. I mean, and, and the worst part about it is that I was, and I know I was conditioned the same way that we all were with the, you know, sit still, stand in line, you know, and, and I'll be honest, sitting still is not the natural state of any five-year-old. Yeah. 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 So, we, Especially we, boys. <laughs> just try, I, you know, I was a, a liberal um, psychologist and I'm like, what is this girl boy thing? You know, blah, blah, blah. Until I was a child psychologist and the girls would come in one after another, after another doing girly girl things. And the boys would come in breaking things and hitting stuff. And I'm like, well, maybe there's something to this boy girl thing. You know, maybe there's a little bit. I think it's, again, I think it's yes and. Mm -hmm. Yes and. There has to be room for the norm. And then there has to be room for all of us that are outside the norm. Yeah, you know, and I love the fact that there is so much of this now being discussed. I mean, Malcolm Gladwell wrote the book Outliers and to help explain some of these tendencies and concepts. And if you haven't read that one, that's an interesting book. Yes. The conversation though that I wanna have with you is let's just see how we can close this gap a little bit between what's happening with the teenagers and how they're actually triggering the inner teenager of the adults. And that's why they're not having the conversation that's so important. Okay, and this is where th my concept is going to make most super seven-year-old type A perfectionistic good girl mom and dads, all you need to do is this, 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 this. The problem is if they do this, 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 then what you're teaching them is to not think. Mm -hmm. You're teaching them to do this, 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 this when they get with their peers. Or if you want them to challenge 
authority, challenge the status quo, be an evolutionary leader, then guess who they're going to challenge? Tag, mama, you're it. And so if you can change the view from I'm trying to get my child to comply mm. to I'm trying to create a win-win with my kid, dance with my child, listen, because this is one of the things I love, love, love about being me. The kids and the parents and the grandparents and the great, great, great grandparents, we all want the same thing. We okay. want to be loved. All right. We want to be safe. All right. We want to be free. We want to get to be authentic and be ourselves. And I could probably name another 10 things that we, we all want in common. Now, how do we get there? That's where the rub comes. Because the parents have a whole set of experiences and mm -hmm. the kids don't. So mm -hmm. we're trying to keep our children from getting hurt. We're trying to keep our kids from being in pain. And I've, I'll say to a teenager, would you want your mom and dad to tell you if a train was coming down the track and you were standing on the track? Guess what most teenagers say? Well, I would imagine that they would say, well, yeah, I think I want to know if the trains come. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Yeah. They want their parents to trust that they're aware enough to get off the track. Don't treat me like I'm an idiot. Don't tell me to brush my teeth when I'm 17. Don't tell me to wake up when I'm 17. Don't tell me to what to wear when I'm 17. Like all these tells, yeah. it tells the child that we don't think they can think for themselves. Well, you know, and if they haven't started making those kinds of decisions before they're 17, then we definitely have handicapped them. And I was very guilty. And the promise of what I'm doing now is to help with this conversation because we trash our relationships with our children under the umbrella of trying to help them. And what we're doing is definitely causing their decision-making muscles to atrophy. And every teenager I've asked, they don't want to be helped. No. Because if, we, if they think that we think we should help them, mm -hmm. then what they internalize is that they're helpless. Yeah, or they're and broken. That there's some, and that there's something wrong with them. Yeah. You know, so the parents, parents don't know how to do this. You What's know, this, that? Parents don't know how to do this, Dr. Beth. You know, our parents didn't know how to do this. Their parents didn't know how to do this. Now we live in a day and age where we've got substitute parents in the palm of our hands and the indoctrination our kids are getting is outside of our control. Yes. And there's one of the most powerful tools to instantly get back in control. Do you know what it is? Lay it on me. The power of the question. Ah, when I ask a question, it instantly creates curiosity. And if I ask the question like, um, if there was a train coming down the track, would you like for me to tell you about it? 
Mm -hmm. Just asking the question wormed right into the teenage brain. Now they may say no, but they're still chewing on that question. And now they're looking for trains everywhere. Got it. So by asking the question, we are increasing their awareness. And what's funny is because I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's actually the premise behind the six step suicide prevention advocate conversation. Exactly. You know, it has to do with questions. And it flies in the face of psychology as, as, as practice and stuff because it has closed ended questions like the one that you asked about the train. You yes. know, the power of a closed ended question, we've lost that in yeah. a lot of our conversations. So I'm delighted that you use closed ended questions. I feel totally vindicated. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We break the rules, Jackie. We break the rules. There are time there are times to ask for rebellion. I actually seek rebellion by being outside where the child is. For example, if the child says, I want to quit school, I say, cool, what's your plan? Let's do it. Let's do it. Where are you going to live? How are you, where are you going to work? What are you going to drive? How, how, what's your plan? I, I'm so curious as to know how a 16 year old is going to pull this off. I can't wait to hear it. Tell me, how are you going to do it? You know, um, I was exactly that way when someone I cared a great deal about told me they would rather die than face the medical condition that they had. And this was before, this was years ago. As a matter of fact, this was more, this was like more than a decade ago. And my immediate response was, what do you need to do? You know, what do you need to do first? What do you need to do to take care of you know, the people in your family that, that you take care of? You know, what do you need to do? And, and it's, it's very much that question about you know, what's your plan? How are you going to pull this off? And mine was, you know, what do you need to do to be at peace with this choice? Yeah. And I didn't put it quite that way. It was just the, the what do you need to do first? Yeah. 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 Because I, it gets the brain working in a different way. Like you said, it worms its way into the brain of the teenager. Whereas if I had in any way, shape, or form challenged their yes. right to make that choice, yes, I would have set up opposition. And what would they have done? Dug their heels in? I didn't even think about it in terms that I was dealing with a teenager. I probably yes. was. Yes, yes. You know, I probably was. I, yeah, I knew I was dealing with a scared kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, of the so, adult, the scared kid of the adult, right? Yeah, the scared kid inside the adult. Yeah, I just yeah, want I mean, to clarify that. Yeah, I was working with a um, a kiddo in a hospital. I was the chief psychologist for six weeks. Mm. And uh, my second day on the job, the oncologist said, we hear you deal with teenagers. We have one that is refusing to take his medicine. Half the staff says we should um, hold him down and force him to take it and half the staff says he has a right to die. Mm -hmm. So um, I said, "Let me, yeah, I'm absolutely. I walked into the kid and I said, dude, I said, you got this place turned inside out and upside down. He just grinned. I said, so what's your plan? Are you gonna fight everybody? Are you gonna take the medicine? You're gonna fight everybody and then take the medicine. He, he just grinned and he said, I'm a funny guy. I said, I'm sure you are. 
He said, I'm going to fight everybody and then I'm going to take the medicine. I said, all righty then. Well, let me go tell them because they're kind of freaking out. And then you and I'll take it from here. Within five minutes, he had the medicine in his arm. Mm -hmm. Three days later, they called me and said this was his last night. That's how close he was to to passing. The medicine hit and he was able to make it for a couple more months, but he got to go home. He got to say when he got to say where, and he got to choose from power instead of um, victim and being completely not aware of what was going on with his soul. Reclaiming our ability to make choices, I think is probably the greatest gift of the work that you're doing. Giving teenagers an awareness that they're making choices all the time. Nobody's taking that power away from them, but it can feel like that it has. And let's face it, when COVID hit, a lot of people are reacting as though somebody took something away from them. And the truth is, no, nobody took anything away from you except an illusion. Of control. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't yours anyway. Um, It was just an illusion. And that's really hard to hear. I know. And it's really a challenge. So I well, love it, the work that you're doing. And I want to make sure that I say this because Katie's going to drop a link into the chat for everybody because you have some amazing gifts. I mean, yeah, you gave, you, you put together, a, I mean, I was like, you did a what? Cause I didn't even see it before the show. And Katie's like, well, it's a four pack mama. And I'm like, whoa, all right. So we, we got something for everybody, right? There's something for each age. Yes, <laughs> yes. How yes. did I know that? <laughs> we, we have something for every aspect of yourself. If you are, if you're the parent and you're the super seven year old and you're feeling like you're failing your child, there's a way to get yourself in control, get yourself in love. And I call it getting back in your power. There we and go. it's not power over the child. Mm-hmm. It's getting back in power with yourself, back into your center, back into alignment. Then there's the, the whole aspect of relationship with mm-hmm. the child and how to have um, connection with each other. So I have, a, I have tons of free resources. If you go to drbeth.com free stuff, backslash free stuff. Yeah, they, she can, dropped the link. I don't yeah, you can get parenting quiz, get a parenting quiz. You can get a business quiz. Um, getting your power in your business. You can get um, my book for free. Uh, you can get the whole inner family chart. So I talk about the three-year-old, seven-year-old teenager and what each age needs. So I have a lot of resources for everybody. Oh, lots and lots of fun. We're, we're going to have a lot of fun. This has been one of the most um, amazing conversations because the idea that we can embrace the defiance, yeah. You know, that, that we don't have to push back. We don't have to be threatened. And we can just embrace it and recognize that we've all got it. Yeah. And the alternative, Jackie, is mayhem. The alternative is mayhem. And I will tell you what, these kids, you do not want to play chicken with a teenager. You just don't. Unless no. you're willing to let them die for mm-hmm. you to get to be right. Because that's how far they are willing to go to be right. Yeah, I get that. Um, and we're seeing it more and more. You know, we're seeing it more and more. It, it, it's, it is not a pretty place because they are willing to die. 
and the numbers are climbing and that's why we do this so yeah. that they have see it's not a, this is this is what freaks people out about me i will never ever ever take suicide off the table as an option that's not my job my job is just to say hey maybe there's another option yeah the, but the first key that we work with is just the key of awareness that yes yeah, suicidal thoughts happen if you're not afraid of the conversation you're less likely to get stuck in them but yes. we're living in a day and age where we're afraid to have a conversation about what to have for dinner. Feel those feelings and name them out, name them out, so they don't act out. Oh, uh, there you go. All right. Yeah. Do you have a like a songbook? <coughs> I do. <laughs> I have I have uh, seventeen songs that I've recorded. There's really? songs. There's songs parents want their children to hear and songs children want their parents to hear. And they're all about my emotional development concepts. They oh. were actually my own work when I was making peace with that teenager in me that was saying the F U word on to me. Mm. So it was me listening and uh, writing the songs and talking to my different parts. Oh, that's cool. All right. So I'll be on the lookout for that because you get the same kind of quirkiness that I do and I love it. <laughs> yeah. I know. When I first met you, I was like, oh, I so see you. <laughs> All right. So final words. Let's give them something good to take home because we, we went um, down a real rabbit hole there, there for a little bit on this whole concept of inner child work what do you need to hear? What is your teenager trying to tell you, your inner teen? Because if you can listen to that voice, it might make it a little easier to listen to the voice of your teen, the one standing in front of you. Yeah. And one of the, the um, this, this is a dart right between the eyes. If you're triggered, it's yours. Mm -hmm. It's yours to heal. It's yours to make peace with. It's yours to fall in love with. If you are triggered by your teenager, there's some part of you that believes it. Because if I said to you, Jackie, you're a pink polka dotted elephant, would you care? <laughs> would no, you care? No, I wouldn't care at all. <laughs> what if I said, Jackie, you sucked as a mom? Would you care? Not so much now, because okay. I know it's true. <laughs> Oh, you're killing me. You're killing me. No, I think, I think it's not so much now because you've made peace with who you were and you did a phenomenal job. You did the best you could in every given moment, true or false. You know, the night that I stared into the darkness with the note, listening to my daughter breathe and the note between us being her promise not to harm herself while I slept that really left a question mark that and everything that happened after that everything that i've learned along the way that led up to that you know that left a huge question mark around my ability as a parent and there once was a time that i would absolutely joke and say you know my definition of a functional family was did all the kids survive and if they did that family was functional <laughs> I and it. I love it. It stopped being funny 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It actually, it didn't stop being funny, but I stopped giving myself permission to say it because I was afraid of offending someone. Yeah. And the gift of this past year, the gift The gift of knowing that it's okay to be me. Yes. That's probably. Yes. It didn't change the, what kind of a parenting job I did as my kids were growing up. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. The gift of you owning that you love you instantly gives your child the gift that they get to love themselves. When I say I'm a bad parent, I'm unconsciously saying you're a bad child because I messed up on you. You know, that's an interesting perspective. And I will have to ponder that one because there's a difference. My brain is like, well, you didn't say you were a bad parent. You just said you had some questions. Um, about yeah, that wasn't directed to you. That's directed to all. If any yeah. parent says uh, I'm a bad parent, the yeah. child internalizes that I'm bad. Oh boy. Okay. Well, now that's an interesting conversation. All right. So this is the suicide prevention show and we have conversations that truly matter because this one is got my brain working. So I've always said, you know, what we say makes a difference. It has creative power. Hadn't dawned on me what that could be creating out in the world. So we're going to be even uh, more cautious. No, we're not going to be more cautious. We're just going to be a little more mindful. So, all right, that's my lesson. Well, you guys saw it happen. We'll see what happens with this piece of information. Um, in the meantime, Dr. Beth. Yes. I just want to say thank you very much for making the time and taking the time because I know you have a full plate. You are in full support mode with your parents and you managed to make time for us today and I really, really appreciate it. Jackie, thank you for being such a phenomenal mom and a mom that can show up and be willing to be wrong because if I'm willing to be wrong, I let the whole world get to learn and evolve and step into their greatness. If we can't fail, if we can't make mistakes, we can't play full out. Oh, well, that's true. All right. 